Welcome to a special episode of the Family Based Pod. My name is Jake, and here we have again these guest hosting with me. And can you introduce yourself? Yeah, what's going on? Uh, I'm Jake, also. Uh, yeah. Here in Chicago, longtime Cub fan, season ticket holder. Excited to talk about uh, the nonsense they got into this offseason. Yeah, it's uh, well, it is quite a lot to talk about. So, I mean, we kind of got the Jake Cup fan show going on. Uh, if you're listening, subscribe and rate us wherever you're listening. It helps people find us. Also, if you're watching, subscribe, like, comment, all that garbage that you know what to do. But just go ahead and do it. Also, Instagram, TikTok, it'll be in the bottom right-hand corner of the video, so check us out there. All right, so again, like Jake said, we're both Cubs fans, both from the South Side, which is interesting that we're Cubs fans, but either way, we talked about that last time Jake was on. And uh, the Cubs this offseason, we're going to have a deep dive into everything Cubs, uh, their offseason moves, their pitching, their starting rotation, bullpen, their potential lineup, uh, prospects, and make, make just what we think about the future. So, Dick, I know you have a lot of the details down for, for me, so I'm, I would you know, mess it up really if I attempted to do it. Or at least I would mess up something and someone would get me grief. So why don't you go through and just mention the offseason moves? Sure. Yeah, I'll start with uh, the players that, well, actually, uh, I'm changing it up on myself. I'm going to start with the players who left. So I'm just going to run yeah. through the players from last year's team who left, which I think kind of sets up nicely some of the moves that they made. So players right. who left. Jason Hayward got released. Hayward now is with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He signed a minor league deal with them during the offseason. The big one, Wilson Contreras. Uh, He received a qualifying offer from the Cubs uh, as expected. Knowing what he could get in uh, free agency, his first year of being a free agent, he went and signed a free agent deal with the Cardinals. He got a lot more money in a longer term deal uh, to take over Yachty's spot. So sadly, yeah. we're going to see him uh, a couple times a year this year. Uh, Clint Frazier, uh, he left the organization near the end of the year. Uh, he was just a free agent. Yeah. Uh, Rafael Ortega, who was one of the hottest bats at one point, I think it was ooh, last year, two years ago. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, he got non-tendered, so he just wasn't offered a contract. Uh, Frank Schwindel, first baseman, uh, he signed with a team in Japan, so he's off to play in Japan this year. And then last, uh, the last really big name was Wade Miley, left-handed starting pitcher. Uh, he hit free agency and got a, got a pretty good deal elsewhere. Yeah, he went uh, back. He went back to Milwaukee, right? I believe so. Yeah, I believe right. so. Okay. And then players who came in, so free. Well, players who resigned. So yeah. Ian Happ avoided arbitration, uh, Good. which I thought he would for sure go to arbitration, but uh, he signed that the uh, the deal that the Cubs tendered him. Uh, Braylon Marquez at one point was one of the top pitching prospects. 
Uh, last year, he battled injuries and a little bit in 2021, too. Uh, so he has been struggling to come back. But the Cubs non-tendered him a deal, which just, just means uh, they basically uh, – a pre-arbitration contract, they didn't actually offer him one, and he cleared waivers, and then he came back to the Cubs on a minor league deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Co- Cody Hoyer, Hoyer – I, I, yeah. I always butcher his last name. He came over <laughs> in the um, Nick Magical deal, uh, yeah. I think two years ago, uh, relief pitcher. Uh, he was out with Tommy John all of last year. He signed a deal on mm. a arbitration. I'm high on him. I think yeah. he's going to be good next year. Uh, Nico Horner, who really came onto the scene last year and had a great year, he avoided arbitration. He got his deal done. Yeah. And Brad, Brad Weck, who uh, is one of those, Rowan Wick and Brad Weck. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he's one of those left-handed relievers out of the pen. He signed a minor league deal with the club. Cool. And then they had a a pretty active offseason. When you take it all yeah. as a whole, I remember during the offseason I was having arguments with my dad, uh, and we were both kind of. It wasn't really even an argument. We were both kind of on the same page, where we thought we wanted the Cubs to be active, and they were active but they just like weren't getting the players that we thought that they should be targeting, if that makes sense. And it, yeah. Yeah. But when you look at the whole picture, they actually have, they did what they did what we wanted them to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. They, they went and filled holes. Uh, there's a common, other than a couple of people in this list, there's a common theme where a lot of them are kind of prove it deals where yeah. if they're competitive, and some of these prove-it deals work, they're going to be a good team next year. Um, yeah. Could fight for a wild card. The division also is pretty terrible. So, I mean, 86 wins, 87 wins may win the division. Um, yeah. But also, like, in the same breath, if if some of these guys have good years, but they can't string together wins and they're losing a lot of close games or, or they're far out of the, the wild yeah. card in, in June – a lot of these guys can be flipped for, for more prospects. Uh, yeah. I really do think they're two years away. I don't, yeah. like, I think next year will be interesting, but I really think they're two years away. Uh, so I'll, I'll get into it. Unless you have anything, Jake, I, I can just jump. Right no, in. I mean, no, I mean, that's a, a very good summary uh, overall is that, yeah, for the most part, they have like those, yeah, those prove it deals or those, Seasoned veterans coming in to fill a spot, not for a long term, but just to see what they got left, see if they can kind of help and plug and maybe leave some of those younger guys in there to help transition. But yeah, I mean, they did have some bigger moves as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll start with some of those deals that I think are in that prove it deal category. So the first, and I think he's kind of the not kind of, I think he is the headliner of this category, is Cody Bellinger. So this was a deal that kind of surprised me a little bit when it broke. Uh, I didn't really think that they they had a hole here for for a left-handed bat in the outfield, but I I was in favor of it. Like I, I, I liked the deal. He's been kind of bad the last two years. The power is still there. He's hit for yeah. power each of the last two years, but his average has fallen through the floor. Uh, yeah. 
he plays pretty good defense in center field. He can also play first base. Yeah. Um, and he's and left-handed bats at Wrigley tend to do well. Uh, so he signed yep. a one-year deal, seventeen and a half million, uh, and then he has a mutual option for twenty twenty-four for twenty-five million, or the Cubs can buy him out for five. Uh, and then he has a bunch yep. of incentives that are related in the contract too. But I, I like the yep. Bellinger signing. Um, if he if, if he goes back to that MVP form, Cub fans are going to yeah. love him. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, even if he returns to like halfway MVP, I mean yeah. that's good. Uh, I think he's a plus defender in center field. I don't think he's a Gold Glove, but I do believe he's solid. For I mean, uh, for sure. Uh, so, but man, we do look at his numbers. I think it was last year. I'm sure he had home runs and. You know, some doubles, um, but and and now he's not gonna have the shift, which is gonna be big for him. Um when his on base last year was around two sixty. I mean on base, not average, on base two sixty. I mean if he returns to like, you know, on base three I mean three ten, three twenty Average like 240, 250. I mean, Andy played good defense. That's a win for me. I, I don't expect a lot, but I mean, just have a decent a decent offensive output would be great. Um, and again, it's only one year, and they have a bunch of prospects in the outfield. So if he doesn't do well, it's not going to kill you. But also, if he does well, I mean, that's going to help you. For sure. Yeah, last the last two years, his his on base were both uh, sub three hundred. Twenty twenty one was a rough year for him. He did battle some injuries in twenty twenty one. He only played ninety five games. Right. Uh, but some of that was also self induced because he was just so bad. Uh, <laughs> he did play yeah. a bunch. He did play a bunch last year, and yeah. last year, so the. The thing that worries me, and I do think some of this is due to the shift. So in his career, I have his numbers pulled up right now. In his career, his hard hit percentage, if you really want to dive into the Sabres, his hard hit yeah. percentage is historically around 40%. Mm. So 2020, uh, it was 38, which at the time was his career low until 2021. It, it dipped all the way down to 30 and his medium yeah. contact percentage shot way up. Yeah. So I'm hoping some of that, because he's a dead pole hitter, like 45% yeah. of the time, that stayed consistent. So yeah. I'm hoping some of it was due to the fact that they were shifting so extremely on him. So no yeah. shift now. Hopefully shouldn't improve those numbers. Um, so I, it remains to be seen. I mean, his strikeout percentage was way up. Uh, yeah. So, so it'll be interesting. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that if if Bro cannot swing at the high fastball, he'll be okay. But man, Great. if he swings one time at a high fastball in the game, he's gonna strike out three, four times. It's just it's rough to watch at times. But again, it's one year. We'll see. Right. 
Yeah, so I'll move on to the next guy kind of in that category. Uh, similar position, well, in terms of they both play first base, is Eric Hosmer. So Eric yeah. Hosmer, famously from San Diego Padres, who signed that Matt, who has the best agent in the world, of course, it's Scott Boris, got him that $144 right. million dollar deal in San Diego a couple of years ago. Granted, San Diego has shown uh, the past couple of years here that they don't believe that money that money is an object to them. Uh, so real. So, and so he signed he signed the seven hundred twenty thousand dollar deal. So he signed the veteran minimum. So this is a true prove it deal where uh, he's now well into his thirties. I think he's in his mid thirties now. No, he's uh, he's only thirty three. He's only a year older than me. Okay. Oh, he he's is not only that old. Yeah, I, know, I thought he was older. Um, yeah, I don't know. But so, but he he has definitely fallen off some. I'm, Again, some of that could be due to the shift, but to me, this is kind of a no-risk deal. If he yeah. goes back to Eric Hosmer of old from his Cincinnati Reds days, or not Cincinnati Reds, Kansas City Royal days, uh, right? Yeah, uh, then then great. He can be he can be flipped, uh, and if he's Eric Hosmer of recent, you cut bay with him by July, and you bring up Matt Mervis. Um, I really thought that the Hosmer deal was really a kind of an insurance policy against Matt Mervis. Yeah. Um, where this now gives him an excuse to mess with Mervis's service time and keep him in, in AAA next year out of camp. And if Hosmer goes bad yeah. and goes bad quickly, they probably cut bait and they bring Mervis up. So uh, to me, it's a, it's kind of a, it's, it's a deal that's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing I thought about Eric Hosmer, the only, really the only thought last year, he had, he had like 268 or something on base of around 320. Um, but the most important thing for me was with the other signings in Nick Horner and Christopher Morell, which we can talk, we'll talk about later. Um, they need a good, defensive first baseman and he's a good defensive first baseman so agreed um the swanson has had freddie freeman and matt olsen two gold glovers at first base so i'm not saying he's you know obviously bad or something the corner is bad but you need someone who's at least going to be a transition and that again overall i thought Okay, is he good with the glove and buys numbers? He's at the very least league average, if not, uh, you could say plus still. So yeah, no, no major risk um, outside of um, him just bombing out and um, making it look bad. But yeah, so I'm I'm not mad. No, and and well, and also let's think about let's think about quickly since Rizzo left who has been manning first base we have frank schwindel yeah alfonso rivas we have frank <laughs> yeah. reyes patrick yeah. Newsom, yes david bodie and Jan gomes like yeah it's not great <laughs> yeah 
No, no, it's not. Eric Hosmer, at least with the glove, is going to be good for the team. And I think he'll be good in a clubhouse. So, good for yeah. him, good for the Cubs. Yeah, so the uh, the Nets guy that's an approved deal, who I think is, who I, I didn't even realize they made this deal. And when I saw his name listed on a, uh, when I discovered it, I discovered it uh, before doing research for, for tonight's episode, was Brad Boxberger. Yeah. So Brad Boxberger yeah. is, is a crafty vet out of the bullpen. Played for the Mariners. He played for the Brewers. Uh, I don't remember who else besides those two, but I remember I remember specifically those two. I, I believe at one point he was an all-star. Uh, so like last year, if you remember, the Cubs had David Robertson. Uh, yeah. The difference being Robertson. Robertson's a closer. Boxberger, I think, has closed, but typically just comes out of the pen. But yeah, they're similar to me where they're both crafty veterans who had a down year a couple of years ago, but then last year, Boxberger had a great year. Last year, Robertson had a great year. Um, he signed a one-year $2.8 million deal. He has a mutual option for 2024. I mean, historically, yeah. the Cubs, we can talk about the bullpen in a minute, but historically, the Cubs... Uh, uh, what Jed Hoyer comes from the the uh, Theo Epstein School of Bullpen, where they kind of put together an island of misfit toys that just happens to work out. Um, <laughs> this is historic. They're historically good at at finding cheap, weird, weird crafty guys. veterans, weird, weird, weird guys. Almost like Moneyball when um, what's the guy? Yeah, the, the Houston Street pitcher. Uh, from was that from the was that Houston Street? No, no, no! I'm talking about from from Moneyball. Oh, uh, where A's f- found that submarine pitcher, yeah, Chad right. Bradford. Where, yeah, where he's good, and the only knock against him was he he throws funny. Like the Cubs yeah. found some guys that are good, and for whatever <laughs> reason, just have never gotten their shot until they came to Chicago. Yeah, Boxberger, Boxberger is actually good, but my point is like. On its face, you're like an aging reliever. Like, do you really yeah. want to do this? And but it's like he's going to be good. <laughs> like, yeah, it'll be okay. Yeah, uh, one, uh, he's not a, a household name. So, right. I mean, I, I was aware that they got him, but I was like, one, who? And then, is he good? And uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at his career, I think it was started in San Diego. He went to Tampa, Milwaukee, and, and maybe someone else. But either way, I think he's been pretty consistent. Um, he's So this is one thing that uh, is good. Now, I think it's a good point in what you said about, you know, finding some weird, you know, kind of funky guys or kind of unknown names and putting them in there is that last year he, uh, yeah, he was not asked in Milwaukee. It was Josh Hader and then Devin Williams. He wasn't going to get many saves. I think he only got like one or two saves, but he also wasn't like the, the setup guy. So, um, He's a middle of the game. If someone's having a rough game, you put him in, and he's pretty solid. He's solid. So I like that about him. And, uh, again, 
in Cubs fashion, they signed a, a guy to a cheap deal, and hopefully he'll play over his deal. So, again, not a lot of risk. Right. There's not a lot of risk associated with many of these deals. Um, the next guy, right. and, and, and so it's a theme, most of the guys fall into this bucket, uh, is Trey Mancini, two years, $14 million, uh, with an opt-out after 2023. So if he has an amazing year, because he was hot last year, he was great for the yeah. Bills before Baltimore traded him to Houston, and then he was great in the playoffs. Uh, he'll play a lot of first base, too. He'll DH. Uh, he can also play the outfield. Trey Man, it, it, it's a high floor. I would call it, like, instead of having a low, a low floor and a high ceiling, he has a right. high floor and a low ceiling. Like, He's, yeah, he's going to be dry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, all of his talent aside, his story, his comeback is uh, insane right. as it is, and um, yeah, you could argue argue that the Astros wouldn't have the World Series if he didn't make that defensive play at first base, um, stopping a hot shot down the line by Schwarber. Stopped at first mm-hmm. base, and it looked like he just fell over on the ball, so it did look impressive, but he made the play when it counted, and uh, he was there, and um, he didn't get a lot of at-bats with uh, the Astros, but again, I mean, the veteran guy, high-character guy. Also, he was a, I think he was a Cubs fan when he was a kid, so bring him back, and you never know what that's going to do for someone's, like, year or career. You never know. So, yeah, again, not a lot of risk. And if they don't want to have him back next year or he doesn't want to come back, that's fine. Um, but I think you'll get at least a good clubhouse guy with uh, – he'll come up in some big moments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, it'll be – Hopefully. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be it, – it's a fine deal, not a lot of risk. I'm right. good with it. Um, yeah. Moving moving on to uh, – uh, we can talk about Jamison Tyon. So former Pittsburgh Pirate, yeah. New York Yankee, four years, $68 million. Uh, He had a good year last year. Uh, Cubs historically have done well with developing pitching. Uh yeah. The Cubs have historically, at least the last, I don't know, call it 10 years or so, maybe a little bit less, uh, has one of the best pitching infrastructures in the MLB. So I, I think this is another guy, like, when they get their hands on him, like, they'll be able to develop him even further. Uh, in Pittsburgh, he was he was really good, but he just pitched for a bunch of really bad Pittsburgh teams. And then he, Yankees fans loved him. Yankees fans <laughs> They're all bad. Him. Yeah. So yeah, it, true. It's, and the cost of starting pitching nowadays, like this is, this is a good deal. Uh, it's about what a, a guy like him should get. I think he's thirty. He might be thirty. I'm gonna look. Thirty. He's thirty. He's thirty-one as of right now. Yeah, so thirty-one. In the middle of the in the middle, he's younger than me. Okay, he's okay. So yeah. Um. So. It's another. It's another one of those deals where it'll be. Look, this will. I'm excited about it. I like the signing. 
Uh, Yankees yeah. fans were upset when we got him, so that's always a good thing too. Yeah, it's it's always a good sign when the team that uh, doesn't get him back, like the fan base, wants him back. Um, mm-hmm. Always a good sign. Again, he had a, a career year last year, but it, it, he's thirty one. He's not. Maybe he's in his prime. Maybe he's just getting there. But um, hopefully, you know, four years, you get something. But I I don't know about immediate impact. But you know, hopefully he'll get continue to get better. So I mean, four years. That's those are uh, that's not a one year deal. So hopefully he'll be good right away. But if not. He'll get better over time. So, yeah, I, he doesn't. He stays healthy, and and one of the ways that I I or one of the things that I compared this to when the signing signing happened, and my dad was asking me about him, was if you remember, I think it was twenty, it was twenty thirteen, it was either twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. Uh, the Cubs signed Edwin Jackson. This is a better version of that. Deal. Yeah. So Edwin Jackson, he was a known commodity at that point, and he wasn't all that good. He he could show flashes of being good, but the Cubs yeah. were still a couple years away, and they basically just needed a guy who can come in, be solid, and, and eat innings. And that's what Ty- yeah. Tyon's going to do. He'll be a sec- he'll be the number two guy, maybe number three, and he'll be right in the middle yeah. of the rotation. And he'll be he'll be better than Edwin Jackson was. And but he's going to eat innings. He'll probably pitch 180 innings this year, 190. Guys don't pitch 200 anymore. But in today's game, 180 innings is a bunch. Yeah, I think I think last year he hit like around 170. So if he hits that or 10 more, I mean, that's good. Just uh, Cubs pitching needs to give, needs to last a bit longer, their starters. Yeah. So if he can do that, I mean, that's great. Uh, to- one guy I forgot to talk about. Well, there's two guys I forgot to talk about. One I'm not really going to touch on that much because there's not really much to say here. It is Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley, two years, yeah. 19 million, opt out after 23. Uh, mutual option in, in 2025 in the third year uh, for 10 million. He was a buyout that year too, or Cubs can buy him out for two and a half. Lefty, it's pitching depth. Drew Smiley's a $19 million insurance policy. He pitched for the Cubs last year a little bit and, and was good. Uh, he's kind of a crafty, soft tossing lefty. It'll be a, like, yeah, kind of meh. Not not a lot to say. The one that I do want to spend some time on a little bit, not because of the name, but just because this is going to bring up the biggest gripe that I have with the team right now, is Tucker okay. Bernhardt, uh, catcher, yeah. former yeah. Reds catcher, two years, six and a half million. Yeah, Jake. Who the hell is playing catcher this year? I don't. Who's the I really, catcher? I, I really don't know. And <laughs> um, um, the, I mean, this is the exact reason. The exact reason I was saying keep Wilson Contreras. Yes, you don't know what you have. Like, all right, so maybe Tiger. Tucker and Jan will be good defensively. They're good with the pitching. They'll make them. But on 
on most teams, like you know who their starting guy is. And this team is like, who do you want to start? None of them. I mean, at this point, I think their starting catcher is, uh, it will be on opening day. I have no idea how they're going to use these guys. I mean, maybe Tucker is really good with pitchers who have sinkers. I I don't know the reasoning. I honestly just thought they don't know the answer. Jan Gomes, I think his contract ends after this year. So giving Tucker like is giving the Cubs one more year to figure out if Megalomaya or someone else or they need to sign someone. But, well, man, I, I mean, as you were talking about the Wilson leaving, it just, it's a dagger in my heart. Um, so I have no idea, bro. Who knows? I mean, opening day, opening, opening day Yangums. But yeah. what they're going to do the whole year, I have no idea. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about the lineup in depth, but because I'll really get into it then. So, but what I'll, what I'll touch on here while we're talking about it is, I thought the fact that they didn't even really try to re-sign Wilson Contreras was really a bad mistake. Uh, clearly, things really went sour from 2021 when they were trying to have contract negotiations, and Contreras had a really bad taste in his mouth during trade rumors, which I don't yeah. really fault the Cubs for how they handled it. I, I, I more fault Wilson there. Uh, but in the same breath, like look at the, look at the top teams in the MLB and who they have at catcher. They all have catchers who can hit. Atlanta has Wilson's brother has William. Uh, no, he's have, in Milwaukee. Or in Milwaukee now, but but yeah. he wasn't he was in Atlanta. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Dodgers had Will Smith, and they now I I think they have another guy uh, who is younger than him, who I think was a rookie. I don't know why I'm picturing that. Uh, Phillies have J T. Real Real Muto. Uh, so like. Uh, Cardinals had Yachty when he was in his prime. He could hit, but down the stretch, he was pretty bad when he played. Uh, so it's like, yeah. if you want to be one of those top teams, you got you got to be able to hit from the catcher position. And and Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart aren't the answer. Jan Gomes is a very good defensive catcher. The pitching staff loves him. Uh, the stats, the Sabres last year between Wilson Contreras, games where Contreras caught and games where Gomes caught, and the difference in starting pitching stats was was stark. There was a big difference between the two. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, what are we doing? Like, Miguel Amaya has been hurt. He had Tommy John surgery, yeah. I think, either last year or two years ago. Uh, so you don't, have good, you don't have a good option anywhere. That's still a really big hole you got to yeah. fill. Like Christian Vasquez was available uh, from Boston. He went to Houston. I, I really wanted Christian Vasquez. I thought he was a great fit. Uh, he's not a 280 hitter, but he's going to hit 255, 260, which Barnhart and Gomes aren't going to do. Like, so I don't know. 
Uh, I'll talk about it more when we talk about the lineup. And then, yeah. Then right. the yeah. really the last the last they, they signed Fulmer today. We don't know the contract details yet. Yeah. Um, a guy who I just wanted to mention who they got on a minor league deal. Uh, old friend Sergio Alcantara, if you remember him from a couple of years ago, uh, Cubs yeah. re-signed him on a minor league deal. And then uh, the headline of the offseason was shortstop Dansby Swanson, who, interesting enough, well, not, it's not really interesting, but worth noting is uh, his wife is a uh, soccer player for the Chicago Red Stars. So he, is a, he already had a, yeah. a connection to Chicago. Um, he signed a seven-year, $177 million deal uh, that's going to take him yeah. through his age 35 season. So I, I think there's at least one opt-out in there. Uh, but if he doesn't opt out, uh, he'll hit free agency again when he's about to turn 36. Uh, I like the deal. Yeah. I would have liked to see them go after one of the other shortstops. I wanted Correa. So did everybody else. But – we wanted them to make a splash. We wanted them to get one of the deal, one one of one of the big big shortstops that were available of, of Correa, Bogarts, Swanson, and Turner. And they got they got one of them. They got Swanson. Uh, yeah. What are your thoughts on it? At the All Star break last year, I said, "Can't be Swanson." For one, because I knew he was dating Mallory Pugh, and then they got engaged in the second half last year. Um, and he's big on family, and uh, um, and I knew he would be the cheapest of the options. And the Cubs are not going to spend three hundred mil on a player; <laughs> they're going to spend one seventy-seven. So. Dansby's goat last year he won the gold glove. He's won in college. So everyone always says he's a winner and mm-hmm. he's like a leader in the clubhouse and he's only 29, you know, right now. So I mean I wanted him to come. Um I thought he'd be a a, a good fit, if not the face. One of the faces of the team. Um, I mean, a shortstop who can hit 25 home runs, hit like 280, around 280, and be a gold glover. I mean, that's a good, uh, solid, like, plug in your offense. And uh, the Braves definitely, he thrived with the Braves um, for years. And I wanted him to come, and when they assigned him, I mean, you can imagine. I was, I'm also a big Chicago Red Stars fan, so I was already a Malpew like fanatic. But when Dan, I'm like, bro, it, I mean, husband, wife of Chicago being here. Um, so I wanted him. I'm glad he signed. Now, I'm also glad they didn't like hit like 200 mil because, um, uh, I mean, for some reason, that would like flip people out. So I'm happy that they got the deal done, and that you'll see him this year. I think hopefully playing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my good friends at work, uh, who used to live in Chicago when I first started at at my job, 
uh, he was in the Chicago office, but he's since moved down to Atlanta. Uh, he texts me all the time about Braves stuff. He's become a big Braves fan. And yeah. he texts me all the time during the year about love Dansby Swanson. We Braves fans love Dansby Swanson. He, he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. And so Braves fans love him. Yeah. Uh, like in terms of like what he got comparison to the other guys, like he he got what I think is equitable to his comparative value to the other guys. Like, yeah. is he is he a top top cornerstone guy? No, but he didn't get paid like one either. So, but but he's yeah he's still he's still but that doesn't that doesn't take anything away from him how good he is like he's he's extremely good like he's to, like yeah. he's gonna thrive at short in Chicago like you said he's gonna hit twenty five home runs he's gonna play great defense like so it's like what else do you want like my yeah. my question yeah. Cup fans who like are like well it's not Correa it's like but he checks all these boxes so what else do you want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first shortstop that went off the board was Trey Turner, and he signed for 300 mil. And Dansby has comparable, not obviously, not obviously better, but comparable, if not somewhat equal, and sometimes better than Trey Turner at the plate. And he's a better defender. So, I mean, I didn't want to have someone sign for 10 years. I think those deals are just insane uh, mm-hmm. overall. So seven years, 177, uh, with who you're getting as a person and someone on the field. I mean, overall, if if people are complaining about it, I've just, they have no valid points. So. <laughs> no, I agree with that. The The only thing I will say is, is uh, you you do got to feel a little bit, even though he's taken it in stride and has been great about it. You do got to feel a little bit for Nico Horner, where yeah he had yeah. he had a awesome year last year. He was he was outstanding, and at shortstop and played great defense at shortstop. And just because of the guys available and getting the best guys available, he's going to have someone come in and take his job. And and like. He's more than willing to move over to second base, and like it's not like he's not going to start. He's going to start at second base every day, and right. and play shortstop when Swanson when Swanson gets a day off. But it's like you play quality shortstop that most teams would kill for, and then the team still goes out and signs a guy that's going to take your job on day one, and for or force you to a new position. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean. Again, we on the podcast, we are having that discussion the whole year. And then when it came time to it, it was like, I mean, you are, I, I would say he was the second best defensively behind Dansby. Offensively, mm-hmm. he doesn't hit for power. He gets on base. He hits for average. He hits all sides of the field. All that's great. When you can bring someone like that, it's very hard to not. Uh, bring in someone who I think Nico is going to be a solid part of the lineup, but he's not going to be a threat like in a base. Uh, two guys on, like you know, two outs. 
who are you more scared of, Dansby or Nico? Right. Uh, it's so yes, but also remember Nico. Uh, the one year I think it was twenty twenty or even the year I don't know when Javi was on the team. Um, he was a uh, Gold Glove finalist at second base. So, right. I mean, that's he's still going to be good. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't remember what the quote was exactly, but he was asked. He was asked basically about like the fact he had such a good year, and 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 then the Cubs still went out and brought in Dansby Swanson to the position that he was playing and forced him to move. He got a question, something along those lines at at. Cubs convention and his answer yeah. basically was I was a part of the pitch team. Like I was like, I was actively trying to bring this guy in. Like I wanted him to come to yeah. Chicago because like, he's like, I get it. I like, yeah, I'm more than happy to go play second base every day. I mean, that's uh, that. I mean, to have, I know defensively a catcher, you don't know who it's going to be, but Having Nico Horner, Danny Swanson, and Cody Bellinger, that's a really good up the middle. Yep. So that's that's good for everyone. Uh do you have anything else on the on, on some of the moves or or should we jump into the pitching? Um I don't think I have too much. Um I, some of the some of the signings I have thoughts about and yeah. it affects like pitching and lineup and all that. So I'll get, I'll get to that for sure. Starting with the pitching. So how about this? Let's, um, if you will ask you the question first, is that, do you think the starting rotation at the beginning of the year will look like, will be the same at the end of the year? No. All right, so why don't why don't you do this? Why don't you share uh, what you think opening day rotation will be, and then we'll and I'll share mine, and then at the end we'll share what we think is going to be you know last day of the season. Well, yeah, I so first thing I want to say about the starting pitching, uh, I think there's realistically eleven guys on the roster right now who could make a start at some point this year, at least 11. Yes. Um, yes. Going into this year, they definitely went quantity really over quality. That's not to say that there's not quality <laughs> in that rotation, but, right. but in, and I understand it because I think last year in particular, at times the starting rotation depth was really strained and they were bringing guys yeah. in like, like I think Mark Leiter Jr. made a made a start at some point, and he's Ugh. he's bad. Uh, Don't remind me. Uh, like they brought some guys in to make starts who just frankly aren't very good, and the only reason why they made starts is because they're starting pitching starting pitchers in their organization. Uh, so yeah. to to answer your question though about opening day, so opening yeah. day I think is going to look like this. I think that's going to be. I think Marcus Stroman is your opening day starter. I don't think that's really a question. Um, no. He, he's the most talented starter in, on your staff, and, and that's just – that's who gets the opening day start. All right. Um, Kyle Hendricks is probably going to be your number two if he's healthy. 
Uh, Drew Smiley or Jamison Tyon, I think those are your three and four. Put them wherever you want, uh, depending on, like, I guess matchups at that point in the rotation of do you want a righty or a lefty going in that first in that in that slot. Uh, so those are your three and your four. And then five, I think there's three guys who are going to fight for it really in camp. I think those three guys who are going to fight for it are going to be Edward Elzelay, Justin Steele, and Keegan Thompson. Out of those three, gun to my head, who do I think is going to get that fifth spot? I think it's going to be Justin Steele. So I yep. think Justin Steele coming out of camp on opening day is going to be your fifth starter. Uh, and then, like, your sixth man, like, first first guy off the bench, I think is going to be Edward Alzelay. Um, okay. He was hurt last year, but in 2021, he was very good. 2020, I think, was his first year that he came up. He was very good. Uh, and he has said as much, like, how disappointing last year was because he was hurt and how he really wants to make a comeback this year and, and be the guy that the Cubs think he can be. So I think he's your first guy off the bench into the rotation. Uh, and, and my hot take out of these guys is I think Keegan Thompson doesn't make a start. I think he stays in the bullpen. Um, I think he's going to be one of the best relief pitchers in baseball next year. Uh, and the Cubs are just going to want to use him in high leverage situations out of the pen. The guy is a maniac. If you've heard him talk about yeah. pitching, the guy is like, what do the kids say these days? Like, he's got that dog in him. Like, like Keegan Thompson, yeah. that's Keegan Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, so I'll share my five real quick. I think Strowman, yeah. I think Hendricks, I think Drew Smiley. I think Drew Smiley hits number three slowly because uh, you don't want to me, well, I'll just say he's. I think he'll be three, four. I think is uh, Italian. How do you say his name? I always mess it up. Can you please? I, I mess Jameson, James, Jameson, dude, James. See, I got that wrong. Jameson. Okay. Yeah. So Jameson will be four, and I think I don't think it's competition. I feel like they want him to be there. I think he has the best. Uh, immediate uh, chance of being quality is that is Justin Steele. I think that he would have to bomb in sprint training and like almost be like he can't get now to not get the fifth spot. So I think it's pretty set to me. And again, the reason why Drew Smiley's three is because you don't want him and Justin and Justin Steele to be back to back lefties. Right. So I think I think it'd be those five. Um but all right, so I'll just say that. But let me get into this. So you said, you know, quality uh, quantity over quality. So my thoughts are they have yeah, I, I don't know if it's 11, but my gosh, I am like, I, I, my hot take is, if I was one of the young pitchers, in some sort of way, I'm a little upset they signed Drew Smiley. For this reason. I know for winning's sake, of course you want to have guys going to be in there and take innings for sure. But... If you're one of these young guys who came up in the second half and really helped the Cubs have a good second half, which convinced Dansby Swanson to come to the team overall, 
some of these pitchers are not really going to get a chance to start consistently, and I think that kind of holds back their development overall. <clears throat> so that's my big. So like, I think you said it, Keegan Thompson. I think he he was lights out last in in the bullpen. I think he can make spot starts, but I don't. I don't think he's going to be a long term starter. Um. Uh, they called up Adrian Sampson. He did pretty well last year in the second half. Uh, Javier Saad, Hayden Wesneski, um, and Wesneski. Yeah, I know. So, so that's my point: is that you have. I I don't think I think Alcalay is going to be in the bullpen one because he has a very hard time getting any lefty out. He gives up so many home runs against lefties. I feel like they might try to start him in the bullpen and see if he can maybe get that spot start to see what he can do. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think Adrian Sampson, Javier Assad, Hayden Wesneski, um, and maybe Triple A, Kale Killian, but really those three, those Adrian Sampson, Javier Assad, Hayden Wesneski, I'm like, bro, like, I would kind of be a little upset that Drew Smiley's there for two, maybe a year or two and is going to take up a lot of their chance to develop as a starter. And uh, I have kind of have faith in uh, in those three. Um, one of those three, I'd say Hayden Wesnessy is more of a sure bet, but I like Saad too. I just... I understand that, but in some way, like I, I want those guys to get quality, quantity innings, and yeah. they won't get that. So, I mean, but so I think at the end, the uh, starting rotation will look different. But that's my hot take, is bro. Like I'd be a little upset if I wasn't going to get the ball every five because of Drew Smiley, and no disrespect to him, but I'm like. You know, pitchers want to have the ball in their hands, and uh, those three are not, not going to get much of a chance. Yeah, no, I, I think that's 100% fair. Uh, Hayden Wesneski, I went to his, so last year, uh, one of the games I went to was his actually his first major league appearance. I went to his first major league appearance yeah. last year and his first major league start. Uh, both, well, really his first major league appearance, if I'm remembering right, I don't remember who who started. Someone started either they got blown they, they kind of got blown up a little bit and maybe the first couple of innings or they got hurt. And Wesneski came in in like the third inning and pitched like five innings of of shutout ball, maybe one hit. Like the kid is good. Like he's going to yeah. be very good and he was great last year. Um the wild card in the rotation to me is really twofold. It's uh, the Kyle Hendricks question. Can yeah. can he get back to some shell of, of of his former self and stay healthy? Yeah. Um, and then Marcus Stroman. Uh, is Stroman yeah. going to take a step forward? Uh, historically, guys who sign kind of bigger deals in free agency who are starting pitchers, uh, their first year is pretty subpar, but then they 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 get used to playing at Wrigley, they get used to Chicago, and they come around yeah. a little bit. 
John Lester is the perfect example of that. John Lester right. in his first year of his deal, I think was like 13 and 12 or 13 and 11 and had like an ERA close to four. Um, yeah. And then pretty much every other year up until he got old and, and fell off and <laughs> his, and his arm died. He, he was awesome. He was a sure bet yeah. every year to be great. Yeah. Um, so I think Hendricks and Hendricks needs to stay healthy and Stroman needs to take, take that step back towards New York Mets market Stroman and, yeah. and Toronto and Toronto market Stroman. Uh, and, and if, and if both those things happen, I think that's when you see the Cubs start to fight for a wild card spot. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, of the two, I have um, the more time that goes on with uh, uh, Hendricks is that the more time I genuinely don't know what to think. Is he an ace? Is he middle of the rotation? Is he the bottom of the rotation now? I mean, the last couple of years, I, th- I mean, he had one really good year, like standout year. But really, the last time he put up, you know, wins and ERA and innings pitched was 2016. Yeah, I, I mean, don't, I don't, I don't love. I I love like his his style. I love the he's different than everyone else, but he's so inconsistent at times. It's hard. Um. So so he. Yeah, he's the one I I have a lot of questions about. So so it's interesting that you say that because so I'm I'm an unapologetic Kyle Hendricks like like supporter. I I yeah. love Kyle Hendricks. Um, and, and let me so Kyle Hendricks I think is is an interesting case. So I think I think he came on so hot because he came up in 2014. He, he was acquired in 2013, I think, in the Matt Garza deal. And when Garza got shipped to Texas, I think that's where he came. Uh, yeah. And so he uh, appeared for the first time in 2014, and he made 15 starts or so in 2014 and was good. 2015 yeah. was the year where uh, – 2015, I think he had an ERA like around two, two and a half maybe. He was good in 2015. 2016 was the year where he almost won the Cy Young when he had an ERA, I think. One, one of those two years, he had an ERA below two. It was like 1.9. The other year, he had an ERA around two. And then since then, like, he hasn't been bad. He's been, I think he just came on so hot and we wanted him to be that next ace. And that never yeah. materialized. Because for like a guy who's like a, a, a two and a three starter, he's been pretty good. Uh, his style yeah. of pitching, so early in the year with his style of pitching, because he, he, he's a weird case where because his ball has so much movement and he doesn't throw hard at all, he almost needs to get kind of that movement on like on his cutter, on his fastball, uh, on his changeup. He needs miles on his arm and kind of like wear on his arm to kind of get the arm action he needs to get that movement. So, like, if you look at his his historic numbers, other than when he first came to the major leagues, 
it's a pretty, I mean, I can pull it up in a minute, but, but it's a pretty stark difference historically in his career, his first half versus his second half. His first mm. half, April, May, uh, the, the two months where he gives up the most home runs in his career is April and May. I think in 2016, he gave up two-thirds of his home runs in the year in April and May. Yeah. Um, and later in the year is when he really kind of comes into his own. Uh, mm. And now that he's much older, he's now, I think he's almost in his mid-30s. I think he's 33. Yeah. Uh, he, his differential between his fastball and his off-speed has narrowed. So he needs to find movement again, and he just needs to stay healthy. I think if he stays healthy this year, like, is he going to be 2016 Kyle Hendricks and post a 1.90 ERA? No. But is he going to be, he'll post something between a 3.5 and a 4, and he'll he'll keep you in ball games. He'll pitch 150 innings. He'll average probably six innings to start. And we'll call it a day, which to me is fine. Um, but you, you need him to stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely needs to stay healthy. Um, so in 2015, uh, second, like, uh, year in the league, he had, uh, it, it was actually just under four ERA, and then 2016, the year that really, Everything clicked. He had a 213 ERA, 16 wins to eight losses, and uh, he, uh, let me see, he he only gave up, he's one of those pitchers that gives up a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, he just says, when he misses, it's slow and in the middle of the plate. And 20, early in his career, he didn't give up a crazy amount of home runs, but the last three or four years, he has he has really given up a lot of home runs and a lot of hits, and um, yeah, and he's not been healthy. Um, so I think over so twenty twenty that shortened season, he had a uh, like two eight ERA, um, and uh, you know again during the COVID year. Um, Everything is a small sample size, but they're pretty pretty well overall. Um, I, again, I'm just I feel like if he, I don't think he deserves long like deserves to be number two anymore. I think he should be a three or four, but his upside is high. So. You never, you just don't know. So, um, I think at the end of the year, their starting rotation will include Hendricks uh, for sure. But I don't, um, I don't know how high he'll be next year. Um, let me, if unless you have something else on Hendricks, let me try to pose my end of the year rotation. So yeah, just one. Just quickly on Hendricks, splits between his first half and second half. I pulled yeah. those up real quick. So first half of his in his career, first half of the season, historically, uh, where is it? He's given up nine, 93 home runs in the first half in his career. Yeah. 
his uh, strikeouts per nine, never really been that high, but his strikeouts per nine in the first half are seven to eight. His home runs per nine are 1.2. Uh, in his XFIP is 407. In the second half, uh, comparatively, he's given up 57 home runs. Uh, so he's given up 57. His strikeouts per nine are a full point three higher, seven and a half. His home runs per nine are less than one. And his XFIP is under four, is 376. So historically, yeah. in the second half, he is a better pitcher. Um, it's you just, just got to get that. Health. It's just about health. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and if he's if the Cubs are doing well, in the second half, it'll be really good to have a healthy Hendricks in the second half for sure. Um, so I think it'll be the rotation will look different in one way. Um, I th- if I, if I have to, um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say someone's getting hurt. I'm not saying who, but that's always a safe bet. So, but what I'll say is that if everyone's healthy, but what I think is going to happen is Showman will stay in the in the top. Hendricks hopefully will be healthy and be there. Um, I if Smiley doesn't have a second half like he had last year, I think he gets bumped to long relieving. And what mm-hmm. happens is Hayden Wesnetsky gets that spot. I mean, I don't know if it's the third spot he'll get or, like, they'll mess around with the rotation. But I think Drew Smiley, he'll drop to either – he'll become the spot starter or the long reliever. And I think Wesnetsky will get, like, critical starts down the, down the stretch. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a couple names who I think you have to look out for who from the minors may get call, called up to make make a start or two. So I think one is Ben Brown. Uh, ben yeah. Brown, I think, is a is a dark horse. He came from Philly. Uh, he came over in the David Robertson deal. I'll talk about him more when we talk about prospects in the future. Uh, yeah. But he's major league ready in uh, a decent right-handed pitcher. Uh you already said Wisniewski and, and Caleb Killian's the other guy. Caleb Killian's not going to break camp with the major league team, but I think he he's probably other than like let's say Smile Hendricks gets hurt. Uh, Wisniewski has pitched two of the last three nights. Uh, they don't want to turn Thompson into a starter because he's dominating out of the bullpen and. So they're going to look look into yeah. the minor leads and call someone up to make a start. It's going to be Caleb Killian. Um, so I think I I think one of I agree with you with Wesnesky. I think one of Killian Wesnesky or Ben Brown ends up in the rotation at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, personally, I it's just it it's just I know it's you know slanted, but. I really want Javier Assad to get in there because he's Mexican. He has dark rim glasses, and he does not look like a typical starting pitcher. So I love to see him get called like a start here and there. 
And mm-hmm. again, he was good down in the second half and picked well against really good teams. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think the miners are going to produce spot starts for, I, I mean, you could, when we talk about their prospects, uh, you could argue that like four or five make it a spot start to see if they, you know, can get high or something. Uh, but yeah, Wostesky is the bona fide. Like, if someone gets hurt and he gets in, I, I, it's going to be hard pulling him out. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, so overall, I, I, I won't even talk about the bullpen solely for this reason is that. It's it's really just like we said. It's a bunch of misfit toys, and they're just gonna play around with it. We don't know who the closer is. If there is gonna be a, a guy, or who's gonna be, we don't know much. But um, I mean, that's one of those areas the Cubs that they never seem to get like fully right. But sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So I don't know. Do you have something to say about them? I think the closer job is going to be Cody Hoyer's when when he gets healthy. Uh, He had Tommy John, I think, two years ago now, so I think he's due back middle of the year. Uh, He's not listed on on the depth chart right now, interesting enough. Uh, But I think think that's kind of the job they're holding for him. Um, I think the guy on opening day who will be the closer, my guess is probably Boxberger. I think just because he's the veteran – He's closed before. before. He was an, I, I looked up his stats earlier. He was an all-star for Tampa, say, 41 games that year. Um, mm. He's only closed twice in his career, like regularly. But both times he yeah. did, he had over 30 saves one year, and he had over 40 saves the other year. So yeah. I think yeah. at least temporarily until until he blows a couple games in a row, I think, I think it's going to be his job to lose until Hoyer comes back. Yeah, I mean that that's fair. Um, but yeah, why don't we? I I knew that a talking would turn into a longer conversation because we're only pitching and sitting that we're in. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I knew what you said before, like an hour, and I was like, I mean, we may go longer, so you know, buckle well, in. Yeah, Buckland, we're only we're only like you know, two of five categories in, so you know, let's let's try to chop it up a bit uh faster on it. So yeah. the lineup the the open uh, whether it's opening day and end of the year, it's gonna be different. Stuff happens, but what do you think is the opening day uh lineup? Because that can get changed Around people can't. I mean, you can go for a couple guys that lead off. You can middle of the order is going to be interesting. But what do you think will be opening day lineup? So I could do it two ways. Do you just want me to go position by position, or do you want me to go like batting order? Um, why not? I mean, I think in some ways we know who's going to be in the positions overall. I mean, outside catcher, but uh, I mean, it's 
if you'll indulge me real quick, it's going to be Hosmer first, Nico second, Dan's B. Yeah, I mean, ideally, I want, I want Mancini no. first. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would not, but... So, yeah, why don't we just do that real quick and say that. So, I'll I'll go Hosmer first. Yeah, yeah. You'll go Mancini. So, I- so in my notes, I not not even just to play contrarian. In my notes, I have Mancini listed at first. Uh, I I think it's going to be Hosmer. I agree with you that it's going to be Hosmer, but I think this this just speaks to I'm not high on Hosmer at all. Um, I think Mancini is the better bat, so I would like to see Mancini at first. Uh. Hosmer's the better fielder, so that's probably what, what's going to give him the start over Mancini. Um, yeah. it, it, I guess it's really a question of what's my ideal opening day lineup or what, what is the opening day lineup going to be? Because if it's what is the opening yeah. day lineup, it's going to be probably Hosmer. Well, what do you want? I want Mancini, want... but it's probably yeah. going to be Hosmer. All right. I mean... I'll just say I think it will be a Hosmer, and I think it should be. Again, I made that point. I think it's defensively mm-hmm. it's going to help the guys at least to transition to Mancini. Um, Mancini, even last year, didn't play. played, I think, 40 games at first base. He played left field, right field, DH. Send Hosmer is solely a first baseman or DH. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm gonna give it to Hosmer, and I think it'd be you know good for the defense. So yeah, yeah, no, you're right, but but it, it, it's it's my it's my bias against Eric Hosmer that, that that's definitely <laughs> speaking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're more than welcome to have some. Uh, I think the most interesting position is third base. Who do you think is gonna be the starting third baseman? I think it'd be Morel. I have Morel too. I think it should be Morel. I think it should be Morel at third, and I think Wisdom should be the DH. Mm. Yeah, see, that's where the Mancini Hosmer thing is split for me. I think in some ways, Patrick Wisdom is kind of out of the lineup, and I think because Mancini's bat is good, it's, it, I think it's. Uh, maybe not as good as Wisdom home run wise, but overall better. Uh, definitely better average mm-hmm. on base. So I think Mancini will be DH. But man, I mean, Wisdom, I think Morel gets the start up with Wisdom at third. You got to give him a chance. I agree. You know, I- like he. he He's not going to play up the middle anymore. He's got to play third base or a corner outfield, and third base is the best one to go for. Right. No, I think I think he's more than earned a chance to play every day, and, and third base makes the most sense. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the lineup, I think, kind of falls into place. Corner at second, Dansby at short, Happ in left, Bellinger in center, and then Suzuki in right. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't think there's any argument there. <laughs> no. I'm just intrigued what the heck they're going to do with Madrigal. 
because, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they don't, like, if he says he is willing to play wherever, but I'm, I don't know. But I think the lineup or the depth chart, the positions, it's pretty set after that. Yeah, they. So the, I'm looking at the depth chart now. Uh, Madrigal's not even the second second baseman on the depth chart. Mars uh, listed obviously as the starter. Morrell is listed as the backup, and then Madrigal is listed third. Yeah, I mean that's not good for him. No, I think they trade him. I think they try and trade him, and they pet. He's yeah. not going to be a headline for a deal, but I think. No. In whatever trade they end up making, they say, all right, if we give you Nick Madrigal, will you give us your 165th ranked pitcher? Yeah. Like, yeah, pretty much. Top, or like a top 100 pitcher? Yeah. I mean, at this point, I mean, I'd be fine with that. I mean, you also want him to get a chance. Like, and he's not going to. Unless, and again, unless someone gets injured, unless Dansby gets injured and Nico goes over or Nico gets hurt, I mean, he's just waiting for someone to get hurt. And yeah. I mean, that's a great place to be. So um, I don't know what they're, yeah, but the rest of the lineup I think is pretty much set. Catcher, we have no idea. First base, a little bit. First base, DH, and third. I mean, we'll kind of see. Yeah, I think catchers are beyond Grimes. I think he's just using the same logic to have Hosmer be the starter, I think, lends you to Jan Grimes. If you're going to go for yeah. defense, then it's Grimes. Yeah, and also, he's been there for a little bit, and, I mean, Clubhouse likes him. Everyone knows him. At, 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 again, at, at least at the beginning of the year, most consistently, it'll be Jan Grimes. Um, what do you think about the lineup? Uh, I w- we won't get into like you know the minutia of who's fourth and who's fifth or whatever, but maybe one through three, like who who leads off, who hits second, who hits third. Um, because I think that's uh, at least good debate, and not debate but discussion. So I, I think I think lead off I think there's two guys in this lineup who could lead off. Uh, I think it could be either Nico Horner, I think Horner can lead off. Or I think Suzuki can lead off. Hmm. Interesting. So out of just just looking at it, because this has been my biggest gripe with, with the Cubs in general and the depth that they've had since uh, they got rid of Dexter Fowler is the yeah. last regular, stereotypical, you-go-we-go leadoff hitter that they had was Dexter Fowler. Since then, it's been a plug-and-play mess of yeah. Kyle yeah. Schwarber, of Anthony I mean, Rizzo, Javi. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so out, of, out of everybody who we just listed, Nico Horner is the most similar to a typical leadoff guy and mm. just going by straight on who I think is going to have the highest on base percentage. 
I think the next guy that made sense just in terms of getting on base is Suzuki. Uh, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I – who do I think I'll go with? Um, I think Nico, I think, or Fra. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, bro, so this is where, you know, again, if you're watching this far into it and you're whatever, you're a little bit nerding out on the cups. So I'll nerd right. out a little bit on this. So Suzuki and Horner. The big thing for me is on base percentage. I would I don't know about hard hit rate. I, I think that's important for a leadoff, but not as much. Um uh pitch, pitches per at bat, I think is really important. You want to see pitches, you want to give them a chance to report to other guys how he's doing. I, I think Nico is a better fit at, at leadoff. But the numbers say that his rookie year, Suzuki has more uh, pitches per plate appearance, has a higher on base. And, uh, I mean, last year he only hit 14 home runs, which is not crazy. It's not a little mob. But, I mean, but who do I want to see? Um... I mean, I guess I would go with Nico, but mm-hmm. again, the numbers could could give you easily Suzuki. So Suzuki, so a lot. I I I know plenty of Cup fans last year who were not high on Suzuki after the year that he had. He did battle a little bit of injury issues, but but one thing that I think is worth keeping in mind with Suzuki. So first year coming to the states, taking that into account. And the fact yeah. the style of baseball between the U.S. and Japan is actually the style of pitching is very yeah. different. So yeah. in Japan, they just really move the ball. They they move it in terms of like placement side to side, but in terms of like the actual break of the pitch is only really up and down. So it's only really a lot of twelve six curveballs. It's a lot of it's a lot of changeups, a lot of splitters. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that breaks that way. What they don't have in Japan is they don't have a lot of stuff that cuts side to side. So yeah. they, don't, they don't have a lot of guys who throw sliders. They don't have a lot of guys who throw cutters. So that yeah. that amount of movement, and and, and obviously in, in, in the MLB, you have guys who, who, who do all of it. Um, yeah. And not, not to, like, as, as Joe West would always say, blue umpire lives matter or whatever. But uh, umpires in the in, in the game we know are human, and we see plenty of, of times where we're shouting at our TV because either a cold strike three happened and the ball was five feet outside, or yeah. a ball four happens and the and it's over the middle of the plate. So yeah. Suzuki is such a patient hitter and knows the strike zone so well. Where and he started to do this a little bit better at the end of the year. But if you look at the first half of his season and his swing percentage on pitches outside or on pitches outside the zone, it was nothing. It was well below major league average. And so a lot of times where he would strike out looking, it would be on those pitches that were close to the corners where he thought that they were outside yeah. and they might've been outside by six inches, but Major League umpires are going to call that a strike every time. 
and and your catchers yeah. also are, are much better at, at framing pitches. Um, so I think there was an adjustment there where he needed to get used to the to the the horizontal movement, and he needed yeah. to get used to the fact that these umpires aren't perfect and they're going to call pitches outside the zone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Suzuki had, I think it was uh, a little bit less, but almost two times as many strikeouts as Nico. I think Suzuki had like 110, and Nico had, I think, a little under 60 or something, something like that. And, uh, yeah. So, in some ways, do you want your leadoff guy to strike out and kind of start that? I, I would say Nico starts off at uh, at at the leadoff. I would say that. Yeah. But you could you could easily pick uh, Seiya, and I would say, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. So, Let's so see. who do you think, though? I think I think it's gonna be Nico. I think Nico. I think Nico starts his leadoff. If, if Suzuki makes an adjustment. And gets hot and gets hot fast. I think they make the switch early, but I think if yeah. by, let's say by Memorial Day, if they haven't, excuse me, if they haven't made the switch yet, even if Suzuki gets hot after that, I don't think they make the switch. Okay. So what yeah. are, what do you see as the biggest as the biggest issue with with Bologna or with the with the roster really? With with the let me rephrase that with the infielders, outfielders, and catchers with. Excluding pitching, what do you see as the biggest issue? Um, I think hitting with runners in scoring position, mm-hmm. and that's that's because that when you look at the individuals that make up the team, yeah, I mean strikeouts are just a part of like part of the game now. You could argue a lot against that, but yeah. it's not so much I, as strikeouts because it's it's another way of getting out. But I I mean, who do you trust to get those RBIs? And that's kind of where I get to is that I mean Hap but mainly Dansby. I mean those are kind of your RBI guys and Everyone else that can obviously hit, uh, get guys in, but overall, it's going to be clutch hitting with runners in scoring position, and I, um, I think that's the the hole. Like I think that's the nerdy hole that you you can you're gonna be able to track like halfway through the year, and it it might be might be rough. But if you're talking about player, um, I uh, um, I really so we debated first base, uh, Hosmer Mancini. I think it's going to come down to somewhat of a. Um, I think it's going to be um, it's not like his problem. But I do believe in some ways it might become like a Matt Mervis question. And that question may just sit there all year. And that may rub the veterans 
at first base, DH, the wrong way. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is first base, DH. Um, who's going to get reps? Who's going to get, you know, play appearances? Who's going to, are they going, going to be asked about Matt Mervis like all the time if he doesn't make it out of camp? Um, so I, I see that as the main issue. What do you think? So the, I, I, I think, so, so I've talked about the catching issue already. The catching issue yeah. makes me the most mad, just because that's what's yeah. preventative to me. Um, but my worries are really twofold, other than the catching position. So depth is an issue. Uh, I don't think that there's really a lot of great depth there. I think. I thought, I thought you said depth. I thought you said depth, and I was like, yeah, I, I agree. That's concerning. No, depth. So yeah. I think that they have – so like if you look at the White Sox, the White Sox have a lot of like kind of first base outfield DH types in their lineup. Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, yeah. uh, some of yeah. those guys. And that is the biggest gripe with White Sox fans. And if you look at the Cubs, Trey Mancini, Patrick Wisdom, like – yeah, it, 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 there's a lot of similarities there, and the similarities that I don't like. So, so, so that's that's one. Uh, oh, Cody Bellinger, I forgot him too. He falls exactly yeah. into that into that category. Yeah. And then two prospects are giving me a little bit little bit of heartburn because I think it's time that they they get playing time. I don't know where that playing time comes from right now. Um, with one of them, it's a question of health. Because he had a he had a back injury last year, and it's Brennan Davis. Yeah, Brennan yeah. Davis has been the guy that we've been waiting on for multiple years now. Uh, and when when he was healthy last year, granted that was very few and far between. He was he he was Brennan Davis. He was Brennan Davis that yeah. fans who are nerds like you and me know and know and love. Like he he was he was the Brennan Davis that we all were all looking forward to. Um, yeah. So he's a question mark, and then the other you touched on it is Matt Mervis. Uh, yeah. They lack a big power bat in this lineup, other than Patrick Wisdom, who's really their biggest power bat. Uh, yeah. They don't have a guy who can who can really hit a ton of home runs. Matt Mervis, yeah. all he's done since he's become a professional baseball player is hit home runs. So true. I think you're going to have to make a call at some point where. What do you do with Swan or what do you do with uh not Swanson, uh Mancini, Hosmer, and Wisdom and Bellinger? Is yeah. someone out of those four, if one of them doesn't get hurt, is gonna get the short end of the stick and get cut and get DFA, yeah. probably. Yeah. Because they're gonna have yeah. to make room for, for Mervis. Because if Mervis goes to triple A and hits tw- twenty home runs by July. Right. What are we doing here? <laughs> I I, I, don't want them, I don't want them trotting out seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars Air Cosmer every day. Like, yeah. So, those those are really kind of the questions to me. Is like, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. Uh, I, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you're I was good. Bro. Say, do you want to wrap? Do you want to uh, talk prospects in future and, and put a bow on this? 
Yeah, I mean, we're kind of leaning in there. Um, the prospects. Yeah, talk the about prospects. Let me, let me just say this before we start. I only realized this like two nights ago. If you look up the top 30 Cubs prospects, two are 25 years old and the other 28 are younger. That's insane. Like, so before we get into talking about any of these guys, remember they are under 25 years old. Most of them are 23 and younger. So, um, so they have a long way ahead of them. Um, they're, they're all, they're all young. All right. So, um, last time we talked, so it was right around the end of the regular season last year. Up, you informed me about PCA. Pete Crow Armstrong, now their number one prospect in the top 100 prospects. Um, and you were talking about him. Oh, no, no, you didn't mention him, but he was the one that got a, or him and Brendan Davis and Matt Mervis got uh, non-roster invites at spring training. But uh, who of those outfielders, or do you think one or both, are going to be in the near future for the Cubs? Do you think it's Brendan Davis, PCA, or is it both? So I think this year will be interesting for Brennan Davis. So I think this is the year where the Cubs kind of have to uh, really choose what they want to do with him. Yeah. Uh, because if they, if he doesn't break camp with the team and come the trade deadline isn't getting starting time or isn't with the major league roster and isn't getting playing time, I think you trade him. Mm. Or, or you decide between, I, I think, well, no, I don't even think it's a decision. I think if by that time he's getting getting stopped right now, I think you, you make him available. Because I think you, like, if, if you're being a seller at the deadline, Brennan Davis is the type of player where, I mean, other than, like, in terms of the people who are, who are still in that prospect pool, you could make a pretty good, you could get a pretty good return for him. Granted, yeah. if he's healthy. Um, and, and the reason being, is just because Pete Crow Armstrong has come on so quickly and it's been so good. Because they yeah. play the same position. They're both center fielders. Um, right. So I think this year, if, like, it, because Brennan Davis's ticket to the major leagues this year, I think, is either Cody Bellinger gets hurt or Cody Bellinger can't hit his weight. Yeah. If Bellinger come come June can't hit his weight, I think we see Brennan Davis start to play center field almost every day. Mm-hmm. If Cody Bellinger is MVP Cody Bellinger without the shift and, and is going to be up for comeback player of the year, then you have a decision to make. And and in that case, I'm kind of now talking myself into the fact that then they would probably trade Bellinger and and bring up Davis. So I, I think it's a matter of how serious do you want to be about this year? If you don't want to be serious and you're still going to make deals at the deadline, 
one of those deals is hypothetically probably going to include Cody Bellinger. And then you bring up Brennan Davis if he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, but I'm, in, yeah, I'm very interested in what they're going to do with him. I have no idea. I mean, yeah. it really just depends on so many variables that it's, it's hard to predict, but um, he's either a part of their future or he's a part of a trade package to get someone at the deadline. Like uh, if they need uh, a closer or they need a a catcher or something, they might package a top prospect like Brendan Davis to get him, uh, get someone, or they trade ballot. Like there's so many variables, but Brendan Davis, either he's going to be traded um, for what like a, a piece, or he's going to be in the lineup this year or next. Yeah. Yeah. And then no, I think the gem of the prospect pool is, is Pete Armstrong. I think the kid's the real deal. I mean, he, he was amazing last year. He flew up, up to double a, or he flew up to high a, uh, this year he's going to make double a, uh, I think if he has a strong camp, they might start him in double a, uh, I think he's still he's still at least two years away, but he could be. I mean, Ian Happ only played minor league ball for a year and a half before he came up. Uh, yeah, Pete Crow Armstrong could be Kyle Schwarber. I think played a year of minor league ball before he made the major league roster. Pete Crow Armstrong. I mean, yeah. I mean if it, if the year is really gone sideways and they're gonna and they're gonna win seventy games this year because either everybody underperformed or everybody got hurt. I mean, we. There, there is a universe where we could see Pete Armstrong playing in, in Wrigley Field in September. I don't think that's out of the True. question. True. I think, I think yeah. that will tell you how bad the year has gone if that happens. But there, there is a universe in which Pete Armstrong is playing is playing Major League Baseball at Wrigley Field this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, they have a lot of outfield. Uh, prospects, um, so I'm very interested in to see what they do. I'm, I'm not every prospect you call up is going to like hit hit and be a starter um, for sure. I mean, even the top prospects, they're not guarantees, but we're all we're excited about them for sure. Um, I so this is the one thing is that. After looking at the schedule for the year, now that they're not playing the Pirates and Reds, and they're not playing them as many times, and um, I don't think I I think overall the Central is going to have like less wins overall, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be fighting for. Uh, I mean, one through three is is going to be a fight, but I think the Cardinals take it overall. But yeah, I mean, there could be a surprise where the Cubs come up big. Um, but if the Cubs are not in the fold for um a wild card spot, like yeah, it's September. I mean, why would you not bring up like? Like some guys that you have confidence in, um, 
And again, it depends on how healthy they are because right. what's the stop? Uh, Bellinger or Hep from getting injured, and they need to call up someone quick and give them a shot. I mean, I'm Pico Armstrong is 20 years old. Yeah, he's, I don't know. I I don't know about you, but at 20 years old, I wasn't. I, there's not many guys who are ready for the pros at 20. There are some. But as hard as you may start, 20 years old, that's a bit fast. So, But Brennan Davis being 23 and having to go through some things, um, I don't see why you don't call them up when they add roster spots at the end of the year um, or a, a freak injury. But I think those two guys are definitely – in the conversation of you know what if prospects or you know not what if but like if something happens yeah the so there's a another one of those outfield prospects who I think we may see at some point is Kevin Alcantara similar yeah. to Mervis he hit a bunch of home runs last year he came from the Yankees um I think he the the website how they they list like what level they're going to be at they list them in, at major league but I think he's going to start in triple A. Yeah. Um, a name to look out for, uh, who I think two pitcher well one pitcher who I think we'll see at, at Wrigley at some point, and then another pitcher just he was a draft pick this past year who is going to be fun to follow. So the one who we think we'll see at Wrigley I've mentioned him already is Ben Brown. He has a 60 yeah. grade fastball and his breaking stuff sits between grade 50 and 55. Last year he made it to double A and he went three and oh in seven starts. Um so he and he came in that David Robertson deal. So I think Ben Brown is, is gonna be a guy that we see. He has a fastball that sits upper nineties. Um mm-hmm. and then the guy who I'm and when they made this pick, because I I watched uh because there, there a lot of times there was nothing else to do. I watched a lot yeah. of the uh, College World Series games, and so I saw this guy play. Was Cade Horton? He was the yeah. seventh pick in the draft. Cubs picked him at number seven. Pitcher from Oklahoma, freak athlete, and he has a sixty grade fastball and he has a sixty five grade slider. I mean, this guy's slider. Yeah. He threw it a lot. He obviously threw it a lot in College World Series. It sits ninety, eighty nine, ninety, and. There are a couple sliders he threw last year in the College World Series that started behind a right-handed batter and then ended up in the other batter's box just because of the amount of break he had. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was a true wipeout slider. Like, he'll, he will be really, 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 really fun to watch. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Kate Horton, that was his first full year as a solely a pitcher. I think before then he was doing double duty in the in the field in that bat, and last year was his first full year, and you, you are like the most dominant pitcher. So, um, I'd be, but I would be surprised if they called them up uh, quickly or you know, throughout the year. Them. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the one guy I I watched some stuff on him and uh, seen him uh, produce and. You know, I've heard so many views is Jordan Wicks. Um, 
a left-handed pitcher. I mean, the Cubs don't have. They have some in that in the starting lineup, but again, who knows what's going to happen? And uh, just talking about all these young guys and starters. Um, but Jordan Ricks has uh, put up some numbers, and he has been pretty consistent. He's worked his way up. He is. He's twenty three as well, so he, he's not like twenty. He's not unproven. Um, so I'm interested to see if he gets a call at some point. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm interested to see if uh, Ben Brown, again, as he said, it just got from the Phillies, which I feel like is such a weird... We got him for David Robertson like one half of the year, and now he's with the Mets. Um, so, I mean, Ben Brown... Welcome to the team if you can make it. So, right. And then there's two guys I got for you who I need to see more out of uh, yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, one is local kid shortstop Ed Howard. Uh, yeah. He had injury issues last year. He only played 23 games. But between yeah. uh, low A and high A, his slash his slash line is bad. It's like barely 600. Uh, yeah. Last. Between the two levels, he'd slash 229, 287 on base and 315 slugging for a shortstop. That, that's yeah. pretty bad. Um, and then the other is Miguel Amaya. Uh, health has been an issue. Uh, yeah. I feel like we've talked about him for so long. And Cup fans have been waiting. For, like, for a while, it was like him and Brennan Davis were, like the, were the two saviors coming to save this team. Uh, but yeah. he, he hasn't hit better than 260. In, in the minors. Uh, last year, I think, was his career high average. It was like 262. Um, and then... Yeah. But but he but he is a great defender. He has a great arm. He threw a lot of guys out stealing bases last year. Uh, when he's been healthy, the minor league staff really loves him. The Cubs love him. Uh, but you got to stay healthy, and, and maybe you become the catcher of the future, but... but the, the, the only you, you got to be available, right? Right. And he, but again, he's still young, so we'll see if he stays healthy. If he learns from Tucker and Young uh, Gums, he's still projected to be on the roster. Um, I don't know if he will be, but um, hopefully, he gets some time with them at some point to learn. Um, as well, the last thing is I'll say is that I'm I did not know much about him. Uh, the last prospect is for me is Alexander Canario. So, uh, yeah. Canario, so uh, 2017, he was in rookie ball last year, he won from high A to double A to triple A, and overall, he hit. Uh, 37 home runs. He was who I was thinking of, not Alcantara. All right, so when I said him, that guy, I'm I'm interested to see if you know if somehow that's a fluke. But again, if you look back to his uh the years before, let me just check to see if I got those numbers right. 
Yeah, I mean, two years before, he had 18 home runs, and then 16 the year before. And last year, he had a breakout year. I mean, in A alone, he had 24 home runs. So, I mean, I mean, he's a prospect that I didn't even know too much about, or I didn't even hear his name mentioned. And he's out there mm-hmm. like Matt Mervis hitting home runs. So... I think he may have gotten in a non-Rossian fight to spring training. I think he might have. But um, but either way, I mean, the Cubs, again, let me stick at this. The Cubs' top 30 prospects, 28 are under 25, and the other two are 25 years old. So right. if if the Cubs' prospects of those 30, if the Cubs just have three that hit in like our long term, that's I mean what one that's ten percent if ten percent of their top thirty prospects are good, that's a good sign for the Cubs. Um and they're all young. So this year, next year, I don't know who it's gonna be, but they have a lot of options on uh, see who's who can handle it. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. It- it, it, it's an interesting time to be a Cub fan. I mean, not, we were spoiled for a little bit. We hit on multiple prospects in a row. I mean, 2016 alone, we had Jorge Soler come up. We had Addison Russell, who was good for a little while. We had Javi. We had Brian. Rizzo wasn't really – he was kind of a prospect. Rizzo, like yeah. Contreras, Hendricks. Like, we got really spoiled. And then after yeah. that, we had Schwarber. We had Happ. Um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's been it's been a yeah. crazy run. Yeah. And it and all it took was some really hard years for Cubs fans who just won a World Series, and now it's <laughs> start to look like they may have something. Um. But so, just moving on real quick to the future. Um. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts for this this season, and when do you think? If it if it's not this season, what year is the year the Cubs you know compete not just for the wild card but can compete for the best in the division? So I think uh, so. This year the Vegas has set their over under on wins at seventy seven. Uh, personally, I'm I'm going to take the over. Uh, yeah. I think seventy seven oh. is pretty low. Um, yeah. because I do think that they're going to be like talking through the roster with you. Like I, on paper, I can see why 77 makes sense, but it's assuming that a lot of these guys are going to underperform who I, I don't think are going to underperform. Um, I think 2024. So like if, if I want to equate it to like 2016 and, and the year that they had then, I think 2024 yeah. is going to be similar to 2015 where we think like, oh, it's possible. And they kind of come on a little bit out of nowhere where you're like, like, oh, like they've got a lot of really good talent. And then mm-hmm. I think 2025 is the year where by then, I think two years is when we really start to see something come together and we better be, fighting for a top of the division and, and signing yeah. somebody in addition to Dansby Swanson, who can be a cornerstone guy. 
Like Shohei Otani? I'm in. Yeah. I'm just saying. Give give him an ownership stake. I'm serious. Give him 500 million in an ownership stake. In the the city, not in in the team, in the city. I agree. Sure. Give him. Tell tell him when he retires from baseball, he can be the CEO of Mark uh, of the Marquee Network. Like, yeah, give, I mean, give him anything he wants. <laughs> I, dude, I agree. The Cubs are the fourth highest. Uh, they the fourth highest uh, revenue when this team in in baseball. So, uh, they have no money. That's hard, but. Anyway, so uh, I I disagree on this sense. I think this year is going to trim out the players that are are those one-year deals or option of two-year deals. I think it's going to trim out the veterans who they don't see as long-term. I think this year is... 2015, where they may make a wild card push, they may miss. They'll probably miss it because the NL East is gonna dominate like they did last year. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be just three teams from the East, so uh, they're not gonna have a wild card spot. That's fine, but if they are, you know, close, I think this year they're close to making the wild card, um, but they miss out. I think uh, next year, I think is is I don't think they're gonna win the World Series. I think they'll. I think next year they will compete for the division. Um, no slight on the Cardinals in their uh, a slight on on the Brewers because their lineup is decimated. But the Cardinals, I mean, I'm not even putting it past them that they could. You know, get, I mean, get hot like they did last year. But if I'm looking at the Cubs and their prospects and what they've done so far and what they're hopefully going to do in the next offseason, I think this year is 2015. Next year they make the playoffs and they're, they're up there. Yeah, I think I'm, for sure. Like, I think, I think if everybody stays healthy, and and performs how they have historically. I think they could make a a playoff push this year. At least be at least be frisky. Um, yeah. But but it, I mean, it's, last year my first year being a season ticket holder, I was not really that excited to go to games all that much. Uh, just because I they weren't fun to watch at times. Like they were right. they were bad. This year yeah. I'm I'm excited. This year, I'm excited to see some of the young guys because last year was trotting out a lot of, a lot of Frank Schwindel, a lot of Rafael Ortega, Alfonso Rivas, who right. who you knew weren't going to be there. Um, so and and this year is going to be the start of seeing some of those guys who will be here for a long time, and they may not be very good, but I'm willing to watch bad baseball if I'm watching Brennan Davis play. I don't think that I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. Yeah, true. And again, as a season ticket holder, you're going to be able to see this the first year that every baseball team is playing every baseball team throughout the year. Yeah. So you're going to be able to see uh, some games against teams that you may not have seen 
um, in like it is crazy. Last thing is that it is crazy that this is like a new thought. Like, let's have Mike Trout play in every city. Like, how ridiculous of an idea is it to be like only every three years does you know will he come to will they play this team but every six years you'll be able to see Mike Trout it's like bro like every year you anyway so hopefully you're going to be able to go to some really cool games so hope good I'm excited yeah and so if you if you've been with us now I think for over an hour and like fifty minutes, uh thank you. Um that is a little bit crazy, but um I mean we're we watch the cups a lot. Uh if you guys are watching again, if you're watching listening still, you like the cups and you're getting into the data and the minutia details about everything and everyone. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this a little bit more and they won't be as long, but this is before the spring training even starts, so um, the year will get crazier as, as a process, so um, yeah. it, and uh, this will wrap up the special episode I don't even know what episode number it'll be but the special episode of the Family Base Pod my name is Jake I'm also Jake. Thank you for having me. I'm always happy to come on and talk. Uh, and I'll talk to status report during the year also. We'll always be happy to come on and talk about it uh, once the season gets rocking. Well, I'm going to hold you to it because you just said you would be, you'll always be excited. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test that a little bit. So, um, Go for it. Yeah, we'll see, you guys, we'll see you guys next week, next episode, whatever it might be. Have a good day. Hey, I'm Eden. Thanks for watching this episode of my dad's podcast. Check out the links in the description to follow the podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and other and the other social media. Make sure you like and subscribe and hit the bell to let you know when there's a new episode. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye.